It's the Veterans Radio Hour. Proudly supported by McDonald's and their national salute to the U.S. military. Now, stay tuned for the Veterans Radio Hour next on the TRN Talk Radio Network. Tango Charlie Bravo, you're a go for the Veterans Hour. Hi, uh, she'll have a Happy Meal and I'll have the Big Mac. Dad, when will I be old enough for a Big Mac? When you're in college. Now, when you register specially marked McDonald's gift certificates at youpromise.com, a portion of the value goes into a YouPromise account for a child's education. So, the more specially marked gift certificates you buy, the more you'll save for college. I want to be a doctor. Hello, gift certificates. Sign up for free and get the details at youpromise.com. We love to see you smile. Welcome, one and all, to the Veterans Radio Hour. It's our tribute to all of those who served our great nation's armed forces, past and present, and their tremendous accounts of heroic duty and bravery. With your host, Brigadier General Dave Grange. And now, coming to you live from our Veterans Center studio, here is General Dave. Good evening, fellow veterans and Americans who care about our veterans. Tonight's show is on training, Navy training. It is the first of our training shows for each service. And each service will be represented later on in the year or the following year and talk about their training philosophy. We are focused on training because training, good, realistic training, is the most important item a leader, a commander, can give to his or her troops. Last week, our shows focused on disabled American veterans and what our country provides for their service and sacrifice. The week prior, we discussed the issues and we listened to stories about our nation's prisoners of war and missing in action personnel. One MIA we did not discuss was Lieutenant Commander Michael Scott Spicer, United States Navy, the first pilot shot down in the Gulf War. He was initially declared KIA, killed in action. Now, that has been reversed by the United States government to missing in action. If we have another war in Iraq, maybe the truth will come out. More on Scott Spitzer in a future show. Tonight's show is dedicated to two veterans. One a father, the other a son, who served our nation. Harry S. DeCamp, who passed away last year enlisted in the Navy at 17 years old in 1942 and was assigned to the U.S. Coast Guard where he qualified in chemical and amphibious warfare. Seaman First Class DeCamp became a coxswain, piloting one of the eight LCMs in the boat division aboard the USS Sheliak, a.k.a. Dash 62, Pacific Fifth Fleet. Seaman Harry steered one of the first landing barges to deploy U.S. soldiers at the crucial 1945 Battle of Okinawa. LCM is a flat-bottomed, all-metal-constructed boat, 50 feet long, powered by two diesel engines. Crewed by five men, DeCamp, the coxswain, a motor mechanist mate, and three seamen capable of transporting 30 tons of cargo 
or 120 fighters. Like so many Americans who remain proud of their service, I am looking at memorabilia Harry S. kept and handed down to his children. I have his pictures here in front of us at the Radio Veterans Center. A book on the ship that he was a part of, commissioned 1 December 1944, and several documents, documents uh, that were used at times when a sailor crossed the equator or the uh, different zones of operation during different theaters of war. Many of this memorabilia, his flag folded, given to his family upon his death, and what is on a more Humorous side is a check, a check the government owed, owed Harry at the end of his service for 10 cents. <laughs> and uh, But it's here, pay in dollars to the order of Harry S. DeCamp, 554-755. Neither he or his family cashed the check, but the government came through and, and honored that obligation. And so these, these, this memorabilia brings back pictures, uh, training pictures when they uh, first entered the, the Navy, uh, home on leave, uh, in some ports. Uh, I won't get into that, but where they, uh, <laughs> uh, they went around the world. Uh, and then I have another picture here in front of me, Staff Sergeant, United States Army, uh, air crew member qualified, CIB, that's Combat Infantry Badge qualified, Purple Heart. Uh, and this is uh, Harry's second son, Michael DeCamp, enlisted at 18 years of age in the U.S. Army, was eventually sent to Vietnam as a helicopter repairman, then off to military police training, sent to Germany for two tours in military police investigations. Now, Mike is buried near his military office in Mons, Germany. Tragically, Sergeant First Class DeCamp succumbed to a fatal ski skin disease in the beginning of his 18th year of service, leaving his wife, Maria, and two sons, Dominic and Sebastian, alone. And now, with the update on military news from around the world, here's General Dave reporting. A couple of things we'd like to pass on to you tonight about military news. First of all, is one in an article in the Army Times called The Sarge Wins. The driver of the United States Army top fuel dragster, Tony the Sarge, Schumacher pocketed the championship title at the 2002 National Hot Rod Association's Mac Tools U.S. Nationals in Indianapolis September 1st. The race is the National Hot Rod Association's most prestigious affair. Charlie Daniels recently played uh, for the troops down in Guantanamo Bay in Cuba at Camp X-Ray. During the visit, he toured the camp where Al-Qaeda and hardcore Taliban are detained. He said the operation is under a microscope. The International Red Cross is on site, and our troops do everything right. Charlie said not only are the detainees treated humanely, they are better off than they have ever been, health-wise, food, showers, and they get a choice of prayer, unlike the intolerance that they displayed in their countries. Many treat our troops terribly, he says. They throw excrement and urine on their guards. Our guys and gals have shown tremendous restraint at the behavior of some of these detainees. By the way, Camp X-Ray cost $1 million per day to operate for the American people. Charlie stated in closing, and I quote, our military not only needs our support, but deserves our support. God bless America, end quote. And the last bit of military news is 100 U.S. Navy sailors 
help tycoon victims in uh, Korea. Uh, 9,000 ton uh, cruiser, the Cowpins, for a three-day joint exercise of South Koreans when there was a, the tycoon came about, canceled all their other activities to help Koreans with the disaster. Here's today's military quote of the day, brought to you with support from retired Lieutenant Colonel Dan Bogievich. Today it's a Navy quote, of course. We're focused on the Navy in this show this week. This same week in 1779, John Paul Jones stated when he was asked to surrender by the British commander, and you all know this quote, I have not yet begun to fight. Now there is another John Paul Jones quote, not quite as famous, but I like it. And it goes like this, I quote, I wish to have no connection with any ship that does not sail fast, for I intend to go into harm's way. In other words, Kenny, that means take the fight to the enemy. All the way, all the way. This is our fourth program, September 29th, and we're finding out that more listeners are tuning in, sending emails, or calling our toll-free number at 866-9282329. Easy to remember, 9282329. Give us a call if you'd like. Our webmaster at GIM Productions have told us that more than 20 countries have now uh, plugged into our um, uh, www.veteransradiohour.com. Outstanding. And uh, I found out that both Chicago is uh, one of our top listening cities. Of course, we're close right outside of Chicago. Chicago. And our second uh, one, I believe, is Naperville, and our fifth one is Greece. And uh, Brussels, we've got Belgium and Brussels also p picking up on us uh, so I guess they're getting up quite early in the morning to be part uh, of that. Brussels, Belgium. Okay. Oh, yeah, Brussels, Belgium. Thank right. you. I'm just making sure you're there. <laughs> uh, at this time, we want to bring in a, a, a segment that we've sort of enjoyed. It's our segment that we're talking about taking care of our military, certain people, certain organizations that are doing special things just for our military members. Uh, this one is made possible by our Mark Eli, a veteran from GIM Productions. General Dave, uh, who's taking care of this week? Okay, uh, Kenny, uh, as you know, we talked about Outback Steakhouse. We talked about Golden Corral the last two weeks. I'd like to talk about an individual who's worked with several of his comrades to help another fallen comrade's family. It's a Navy SEAL who cares and now is making a difference. Navy Petty Officer Second Class Nick Rocha trained with fellow SEAL Neil Roberts. And as many of you know, Neil Roberts was killed March 4th in Afghanistan. He fell out of a CH-47 helicopter during Operation Anaconda trying to save a crew member. He was injured hitting the ground, but unofficial reports say that Roberts attacked an Al-Qaeda machine gun nest and was mortally wounded in that fight. So Nick Rocha and a friend formed the United Warrior Survivor Foundation to raise money for families of special operating forces who die in a line of duty. Kenny, there's a website. It's, it's www.frogfriends, remember Navy SEALs, frogs, frogfriends.com. If you're interested in helping out this organization, which I'm going to do, I recommend you do it. Thank you. And we do that often uh, here on the Veterans Radio Hour. We donate money from our sponsors and our listeners to veterans organizations. The Veterans Radio Hour proudly brings you This Week in Military History. And now, General Dave. 1918, Ensign David Ingalls shot down his fifth enemy aircraft flying with the British Royal Air Force, becoming the first Navy ace. That's 1918. 1950, the first United States Marine Corps captures Seoul, Korea. 
1960, our first nuclear-powered aircraft carrier, the USS Enterprise, launches at Newport News, Virginia. And now we'd like to bring out our special guest today, General Dave. We're very fortunate, Kenny. Uh, we have real admiral, upper class, upper half, I should say, Anne Rondeau. She's from, from uh, New York, then uh, lives in Texas a while, most distinguished graduate of her class from Eisenhower College in New York. She served in intelligence, operations, policy, and training positions throughout the Navy, commanded in the Pacific Theater and a European theater, a qualified Naval Surface Warfare Officer, and just this Friday promoted Ken to two-star. Congratulations. I thank you very much. Currently commander of the largest naval... <laughs> well-deserved from our audience here in, uh, in the center. I currently commander the largest naval training center in the world, a military institution with 90 years of service to our nation. It has turned out, turned three and a half million Americans into uh, sailors. The Navy Training Center here at Great Lakes. And so good, good evening, Admiral. How are you tonight? I'm Great. I'm, I'm fine. Thank you very much. Yeah, well, thanks for, thanks for spending some time with us. We really appreciate it on sure. a Sunday night. I know you have PT in the morning. <laughs> uh, I'd like to ask you some, uh, the first question, and then we can just take it wherever you and the audience uh, listeners would like to go. Uh, and that's uh, the first thing is uh, with so much retraining responsibility that you're in command of, instilling the warrior spirit. What, just what does that mean, instilling the warrior spirit? Well, you know, first and foremost a sailor is a warrior and I think that it's important to get that uh, that that very much from from the very very start uh, in ingrained in all that they are and do and if you first train that then other things will follow it's of interest to know that we have many sailors who go from boot camp straight to the fleet and it was, of course, those kinds of young folks who, was, who were on the coal. In order to make sure that our sailors are there, ready to fight the fight and be there, you need to bring in to all of them a, a sense of team, a sense of unit, and also a sense of comfort with, it, with, the, with the things of warfare. So what we've been doing at boot camp is really um, wanting to increase our our use of small arms, rifles, uh, shotguns. We are doing more time in uh, the water. We are doing a lot more to make sure that we make the, it very, very clear that this is a serious business, that this is a business that in the end asks for service above self, and to bring into them from the very moment that they walk in a sense of, de of, of will and of confidence that, that they can fight the fight and win. Yeah, I love uh, the comment on teamwork and more, more small arms fire, the smell of cordite, right. uh, getting the feet right. wet, moving out. Uh, let me ask you one other thing. The Navy has something uh, Navy-wide called, uh, or in the Navy, Navy-wide initiative, something to do with revolution in training. What is, what is that about? Well, you know, we talked about the sailor as a warfighter for a moment, but we also recognize that, that the sailor is the smartest human being that we've ever had in our Navy. He or she walks in, and they are all volunteers. And we have a certain amount of requirement to make sure that they're at their very best all of the time. 
So the training revolution is focused on the individual as well as on, on who, that, who that individual is and what they bring. For instance, Dave, you will, you will re, re, recall that in uh, Desert Storm, if you will remember, the target uh, time was about, about three or four days, depending upon what you chose and where you, you launched from. And so that cycle was about a, a three or four day one. And in the Navy, the sailor was part of that and then at times not. In Kosovo, you will also remember that that sailor uh, was involved now in a targeting evolution that was now 101 minutes. And over Afghanistan, Dave, that was a 19-minute evolution. Well, you cannot bring a sailor in into all of that and not have him or her be ready now. So the training revolution is very focused on integration of multitask um, uh, skills and of making sure also that the sailor feels as though he or she's being invested in, so that we're also doing some things like uh, on our information specialists. We are giving them Cisco and Microsoft licensing, and, and we're doing the uh, very same thing with all of our ratings, is to be sure that they have some sense of investment by us so they, so they don't feel as though they're losing out on their uh, uh, ability to compete but also making sure that they're able to, to think and, and, and um, act very, very quickly and efficiently. So you bring the, the warrior and the technical expert together, and you have a warfighter of the 21st century, bar none. Well, you know, what I really identify with is, you know, you go to war the way you are today, not the way you want to be. So if you're not, each day you wake up, where you are in your training readiness is how you are when you go That's on right. alert. That's right. And, you know, my experience is when you go on alert, it's never when you want to go on alert. That's it's always right. when you don't That's think right. you're going to go on alert, That's and right. there you go. You know, you start your what they call net in-hour sequence or whatever it is in different services, and, and you're prepared to move out with the training you have at hand for any task, humanitarian assistance, peacekeeping, small-scale contingencies, non-combatant evacuation, combat, whatever. That's right. And so uh, I, I can identify with, with, your, with the, the character, the, the guts, the base uh, you're talking about, you're referring to, uh, getting people ready. Well, you know, and even though the Navy has always been a non-surge force, just, just due to the way that we operate, we used to think about things as a routine uh, deployment or not. And no longer can you think about that in a routine way. The speed of, the speed of battle, the power of weapons, uh, you are no longer ever in a routine environment. You must be ready to go now, now, now. And with a smaller Navy, every single sailor counts, and every one of them matters. That's right. The uncertainty of time, the ambiguous uh, situations that our people are put into, and everybody counts to make the team. Uh, what about on character building? Can you get a, go a little bit more on character building on that? Okay, so in, so now we have built the, the uh, warrior, and we have built the technical expert. And the other piece to that triad is making sure that that warrior and that technical expert now has the ethics to be a responsible American warrior. American warriors have always had a very unique character of thinking through what, what they're doing and of doing it with as much sense of purpose and, and, and ethical grounding as, as they can. Our, our obligation is to be very certain that we help them do that. So from the moment that they walk in to boot camp, 
to the moment that they graduate. We're doing all of the core values. We, we are every moment that they train. And our culminating exercise does not focus on individual competencies. It focuses on your ability to, to uh, give to the team and also to live up to the Navy's core, and core ethics and, and um, moral and ethical spirit and um, values. Yeah. Amber, let me ask you this. When, uh, here you get the sailors. That's been trained. The character's been built into them. When they see their leaders, is that training being done out of Annapolis, another uh, officer producing schools, so that sailor sees that leader walk their talk, sure. represent w what they're supposed to be doing themselves? It's always the, uh, the goal, and I can assure you that we do. Uh, what's interesting is that the Navy, in the training uh, uh, changes that we're doing, we're now going to be combining enlisted and officer uh, ec sessions work to be sure that that we're giving across the same the same um, ethic the same message and certainly as you know Dave ultimately the leader is is who's who will set that tone and that's so important yeah okay well we're going to talk we're going to come back a little bit later with some more questions and we're going to highlight tonight we're going to salute a uh, a sailor an ensign uh, that epitomizes what you just outlined Admiral Kenny you're listening to the Veterans Radio Hour, coming to you live from the Veterans Radio Center just outside of Chicago, Illinois. I need to thank Carol Murphy of Staten Island, New York, for all the show research she's been doing for the Veterans Radio Hour. I give her a big hurrah, and thank you so much for getting involved with us. You know, we're on every Sunday night at 9 p.m. Central Standard Time. We're either streamed on the Internet or on a radio station near you. Next week's show is going to be based on what's become known as Black Hawk Down, October 3rd, Somalia's history. We need people to write to their radio stations, let them know that they'd like them to carry our program. It costs nothing to carry this program. They even compensate some stations in different ways that will help them to carry this program for free. So that way veterans and active duty persons can become more connected with us. We need them involved with us as much as they can become involved with the rest of the nation. One thing that uh, I know I have to thank General Day for is uh, the dedication today was to my father and to my brother. My privilege. And um, I'm sure they're very, very high and very happy that we are a true part of something being done today for veterans. We do have shows coming up in the future that relate with uh, what veterans benefits and where they've gone to, what uh, has happened with the Veterans Administration, with all the different health. We even have the Secretary himself of Veteran Affairs coming on. we got to have some call-ins. We want to hear from you. we got the Admiral with us tonight. She has given us her time. We have a, a bunch of people here supporting you from the Veterans Radio Center. Call in. Ask some questions. Get involved in this discussion about Navy's training readiness. 866 9282329. The Veterans Radio Hour coming to you live, www.veteransradiohour.com. You're listening to the Veterans Hour on the Talk 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 Radio Network. 
The Veterans Hour now returns to full readiness on the TRN Talk Radio Network. The Veterans Hour proudly presents our military hero's story of valor. I like to talk about uh, several heroes tonight instead of one like we normally do. I talked a little while ago about a Nick Rocha, a fund to help fallen comrades like Neil Roberts. The hero story tonight is about those that went in after Seal Roberts, and it cost an additional six American GI lives. And why? Why we don't leave Americans behind, that's why. And when it happens, we must live with the issues like we have covered a few weeks ago when we had our POWMIA theme. So now it is a creed in a brotherhood that we will not leave anyone behind. Two different search and rescue aircraft went in to rescue a lost SEAL, SEAL Roberts, whose aircraft was shot up. The first rescue chopper was with Rangers and Air Force combat controllers, and it was shot down. The second rescue chopper with Rangers, also with combat air controllers, went in 2,000 meters below the ridge line where the first helicopter went in. They moved up in treacherous conditions to search and reach their team. After link-up, they overran the enemy. They recovered Seal Roberts and the other dead and wounded GIs in the fight. Seven total died on that ridge line, which is now called Roberts Ridge, overlooking the Shyacock Valley during Operation Anaconda. Those fallen comrades were, of course, the first one, Navy Seal Roberts, Senior Airman Cunningham, Air Force Tech Sergeant Chapman, the MH-47 Echo helicopter gunner, Sergeant Sivtak, and Rangers Anderson, Commons, and Kroos. And why? It all goes back to brotherhood, goes back to camaraderie, goes back to the teamwork that the Admiral mentioned earlier, and the will to fight. I shall never leave a fallen comrade to fall into the hands of the enemy is now the motto. The Veterans Radio Hour salutes the active service person of the week, made possible by a contribution from veteran brothers who served in the Marines, Richard and Lee Gack, owners of AmeriCare Sanitation and Supply in Addison, Illinois. General Dave. I'd like to pay salute to Navy Ensign Eric Mang, stationed aboard the guided missile cruiser USS Ticonderoga. Operates with aircraft carrier battle groups or can operate by itself. The Ticonderoga is outfitted with Tomahawk missiles, ship torpedoes, anti-submarine rockets, and deck guns. Eric Meng joined the Navy in 1997, and he did it because, I quote, I joined the military for a better life because the Navy had a greater opportunity for career advancement than the other branches <laughs> and because it's something I always wanted to do. My granddad did it. He is responsible for 30 sailors. He's operating around the Caribbean and South America right now, recently engaged in counter-drug operations. Well, before we go to Congressman Kirk, who we now have on the line, we have from Brussels, I think that's in Belgium, Yes, I'm correct? Yeah, doing great. <laughs> go ahead. Uh, Tom is from Belgium, um, and he has a question for the Admiral. Tom, are you there? Yes, I sure am. Admiral, <laughs> I had a question for you. I'm sure. I've been in the service for a while, and I'm familiar with special forces and SEALs, and I happened to read the other day in the paper that the Army was using special forces soldiers to train regular infantry in ways to become more like special operating forces. In other words, operating small teams, a flat organization, enlisted people having a lot more command of a unit, able to adjust to a situation to go into a cave or to chase somebody down. 
Uh, is that going to have any effect on the way the Navy trains? For instance, would you perhaps consider uh, using SEALs to give people certain skills uh, necessary for this uh, enduring freedom operation that we're going to be on for probably quite some time? The, the uh, issues are a uh, great one to ask, but I'll say to you that, that the Navy is looking at making this, the uh, SEALs a larger organization. They're looking at more since, the, since that uh, mission is so critical uh, in this new war. But we also have subs and ships and planes to, uh, to operate. And so while we will look at training more to be SEALs, there is no uh, effort right now to have SEALs train more than their own. And that's really very, very key to us. As you know, uh, that's a very intense training environment, uh, and we need to stay focused on that niche being as good as it can be and not using those, those, those experts to train others uh, who, uh, who will not be SEALs. So our effort is make more and make them better, but not, but not to have them train others. I'd like to go on right now and introduce a, a special guest. Uh, we're very fortunate tonight to have Congressman Mark Stephen Kirk, member of Congress. He represents the 10th Congressional District of Illinois, serves in the House Budget, Armed, Forces, or Armed Services, and Transportation Committees. Congressman Kirk wrote a number of provisions, including, and I'll mention ones that are relevant to the show right now, improving veterans' health care and ensuring military voting. He served as a Naval Reserve Intelligence Officer during conflicts with Iraq, Haiti, and Bosnia. Served four tours at sea and three in Panama. The U.S. Navy named Kirk Intelligence Officer of the Year in 1998 for his combat service in Kosovo. Kirk also served in combat over Iraq as part of Operation Northern Watch. Congressman, are you with us, sir? I am. Good to talk to you again. How are you? I'm fine. And greetings to the Admiral. Uh, her her uh, Naval Training Facility, where the Navy is born, is located in our congressional district. Yeah, and we're uh, and and that's uh, it's right in our backyard, and they've done do a lot for for the community, and and we all appreciate it quite a bit. Our theme tonight, Congressman, is on training, and uh, and because uh, I guess if you were a, a naval aviator, a Air Force pilot, and you uh, someone says we may go back to war again uh, in the vicinity of Iraq. Um, some people that are over there now on Southern and Northern Watch may say, hey, I'm already doing that. I'm already getting shot at. I'm already dropping bombs. Um, I think you were, in fact, weren't you involved in Northern Watch? I did. I, I flew Northern Watch in 2000 from Interlake Air Base. And, and wouldn't you say that uh, to them it's a clear and present danger? It absolutely is. In fact, uh, I raised this with Secretary Rumsfeld uh, last week uh, before the Armed Services Committee. We were all um, reading the story about the Iraqi government uh, delivering an offer for inspectors to come to Iraq uh, that Monday morning. And uh, based on my Northern Watch experience, I asked the secretary, after this letter inviting the UN to come to Iraq arrived, have the Iraqis uh, shot at us? And the answer came back, uh, yes, they shot at us three times on Tuesday and three more times on Wednesday, <laughs> continuing to try to kill Americans implementing the U.N. resolutions, even as they uh, offered U.N. inspectors to come to Baghdad. And a few British pilots as well, right? That's right. Uh, Northern Watch is an allied effort, started out by the, uh, the French, Americans, and British, and still flown by the British and Americans. Yeah. Uh, what would you say was the – what prepared you for something like that? Talk a little bit about the Navy train that prepared you. Well, uh, 
critical. The Navy, uh, as the other services, but particularly the Navy, uh, operates under the philosophy that we train as we fight. And the Navy, probably more than the other services, has to do about 80 or 90 percent of what we would do in wartime in peacetime anyway, uh, because the effort it takes to get a battle group, a squadron, or a submarine uh, out to sea is uh, nearly as much as what it would take to take her to war. Uh, the critical thing, though, I believe, is to upgrade training. Uh, at Great Lakes, we have old barracks that uh, in the summer reach 85 degrees with the uh, recruits lying on the linoleum floor studying missile guidance in the heat. Uh, we just broke gr ground on $200 million worth of new barracks that uh, will allow the kids to uh, spend more time studying and working out and less time uh, uh, just sweating in, in their bunks. I'm particularly excited about one new project called Battle Stations. Uh, we, the Navy has uh, reached out uh, to some of the uh, leading simulation companies to basically build a ship in a bottle in a building, fill it full of recruits, set it on fire and sink it in a safe way, but in a very realistic way uh, so that uh, the recruits, if they ever face this situation again, the Arabian Sea or elsewhere, it will be the second time they've seen the situation, and it will keep them calm and uh, allow them the presence of mind to focus on saving their comrades and the ship. Well, I, I was reading some stuff here from the, uh, the Great Lakes improvements, investing more than a billion dollars to rebuild aging boot camp facilities that you just mentioned, putting up new barracks, $30 million in a physical training facility, galleys the works They're about two years into an eight-year project having commanded uh, different uh, bases posts uh, and always living on them just about all my life um, they always need upgrading it's always tough to get funds and, and I'm very happy to see that that much money is being invested in the Great Lakes and I'm sure the admirals elated as well that's right we're, we're relearning uh, a lesson of history you know when the when the British fleet met the French fleet at the Battle of Trafalgar their equipment was about equal, but the British training was so good, their gunners could fire at a faster rate than the French and Spanish, and won that battle and secured their country's freedom. Uh, we're following that same lesson today at Great Lakes, uh, that yes, we want the best equipment, and we want our, our uh, men and women in uniform to have everything that we could possibly give them. But in the end, we know that the heart and soul of a ship is its crew. We want to make sure that when we send people to sea, they're ready, they have high morale, and they're well-trained. Well, I think the commander at Great Lakes, uh, the Admiral uh, Rondeau, has been talking about this earlier. I don't know if you had a chance to hear any of her comments. I did. Uh, she is particularly eloquent on, on this 19-minute sailor, uh, that uh, the pace of warfare today is so quick uh, that uh, in, in Vietnam, it took us uh, almost a day and a half between the time we uh, saw a target and the time that we could engage it. Uh, over the skies of Afghanistan, it was just 19 minutes, and that means that there are no commanders involved. It means it's the, uh, it's the, uh, uh, the, the seamen 
uh, uh, people who were recruits just a year ago. Okay, Congressman, I'm going to have to pull out just here for a minute uh, to uh, to talk about one other item. We'll be back if you can stay with us. Uh, I hope you can, sir. Great. All right. Uh, At this time, we normally uh, give a little bit of time for McDonald's Veteran of the Week, but uh, McDonald's this week is going to let us do something that relates to the entertainment veteran of the century. The uh, Who we want to talk about tonight is Bob Hope. 57 years ago was his first entertainment for the American GI. Now there's four World War II Navy veterans that are creating a memorial in his honor. This memorial will be built in San Diego, California. Former President Ford is the chairman of the fundraising campaign. Honorary board members are Billy Graham, Senator McCain, Navy Rear Admiral retired McKinney. Bob, inter- Bob Hope entertained GIs around the world, earning him the title Honorary Veteran for, of the United States Armed Forces, and it was signed by the President. Now, he has entertained for nearly a half, of a, a, half a century for the GI. And when he, when he earned this award, he was quite emotional about it, being an honorary veteran, and he said, I have been given many awards in my lifetime, but to be numbered among the men and women I admire most is the greatest honor I have ever received. The memorial is planned for Bob Hope's 100th birthday, May 29th, 2003. And this is the Veterans Radio Hour. We'll be back in a few moments. Hi, uh, she'll have a Happy Meal, and I'll have the Big Mac. Dad, when will I be old enough for a Big Mac? When you're in college. College. Now, when you register specially marked McDonald's gift certificates at youpromise.com, a portion of the value goes into a YouPromise account for a child's education. So, the more specially marked gift certificates you buy, the more you'll save for college. I want to be a doctor. Hello, gift certificates. Sign up for free and get the details at youpromise.com. We love to see you smile. Way Anchor, mates. The Veterans Radio Hour now continues full speed ahead on the talk radio network. Aye, aye, sir. Okay, we're back again, and we have a call in from a Steve Sumsky. Are you there, Steve? Yeah, I'm here. Okay, what can we do for you? Well, I don't know. Uh, I guess you, uh, uh, you know, with all the uh, Navy uh, ships being named, named for former presidents and uh, former people, uh, it's my mind that I'd like to see a carrier, a new carrier, named for one of the greatest admirals of World War II. They've got Admiral Halsey. But a guy was uh, who was the uh, uh, hero, hero of the Battle of uh, uh, the Marianas to Turkey shoot, where they knocked down 346 Japanese planes in one day. A man was the savior of the first and the second Battle of the Philippine Sea. I'm talking to no other than Admiral Mark Andrew Pete Mitcher. He was the man, and not the British, that came up with the two uh, carrier takeoff decks and a lot of other uh, important uh, features uh, and helped pioneer the uh, uh, Navy uh, aircraft in World War II. And I just think that uh, if it's possible or how we can uh, put his name in for a ship to be named after uh, uh, Admiral uh, Mitcher, born okay. on... Uh, all right. Okay. We're going to ask you to write all that up. Anyway, uh, Congressman, how do we do that? Well, I, I'm sorry I couldn't hear the question. If you could repeat it for me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I hope you're kidding. I, I am. I'm not kidding. No, okay. Uh, Congressman, uh, real quick, uh, 
Steve, go ahead. You want to re- name a ship after Admiral Mitchner? Go ahead. Mitcher, Mitcher, M I. Yeah, go ahead and say that. He's got a destroyer named after him. He had nothing to do with the destroyer. He was a Navy man. Halsey was a flyer. Mitcher was a pilot. It's a big difference. Thank I you, mean, Steve. Uh, Halsey and Spruance took a lot of credit for what Admiral Mitcher did. Okay. Uh, Admiral Halsey took uh, seven uh, task force groups in June of '44 north of Saipan, sank eight Jap destroyers. Okay. All right. And anyway. Thank uh, okay. Well, we'll we'll see how we can do that. I'm I not mean, gonna... he is one of the greatest admirals of World War II. We know a, that he now. He was a pilot, and he was for the fast carrier task force. Thank you, Steve. We All know right. that now. Congressman. Yes. Let me get back to some other stuff here with you, please. Um, the admiral was talking earlier about, we talked already about the warrior spirit, and, and she was talking about um, the character and education, a values-based uh, training philosophy that gives someone, uh, you know, the bedrock, uh, no matter what they're asked to do for their country, no matter where they're deployed. Uh, your comments from your experience in service uh, on, on what the training you received, the naval training you received on character. Well, she's exactly right, uh, because you can be completely proficient, uh, but if you don't have that uh, bedrock core values of duty and honor and country, uh, you will not perform well uh, when it's needed most. Um, aboard the uh, 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 Prowler, I, I flew in an aircraft that had four ejection seats, and in combat, uh, the camaraderie between those four individuals uh, better be good, uh, because we're all relying on each other uh, to get through that situation alive. And it's building that uh, esprit de corps and commitment to your shipmates uh, that is essential in making it through uh, an anti-aircraft battery or any one of a number of other hazards that can uh, face our armed forces. Uh, it's building that core at boot camp, or for me it was at Pensacola, uh, that uh, is the foundation of your service. Then you move on to all the technical aspects. Uh, but it's first looking into your heart, why you hear your love of country and your commitment to your shipmates. Well, thank you, Congressman. I appreciate you staying with us as long as you, you do. And thank you for your service as a fellow veteran. Uh, I know I appreciate it. And uh, knowing that a member in Congress is a veteran means a lot to many of us out here. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Take care. Right. Bye-bye. You know, training, uh, training is essential. Uh, a lot of quality of life issues for soldiers, sailors, Marines, airmen, Coast Guardsmen. And you can, you can have cappuccino stands put up in Kosovo. You can have barracks instead of tents. But when it really gets down to it, the best thing you can give your troopers is first-class training. Just like General Rommel from the German Army said, the best welfare for the troops is first-class training. Because I can't think of a more a higher quality of life issue than the liver to die. And the determining factor to live or to die is first-class training. So everything that Great Lakes uh, is doing to train the sailors, everything all the other services do to train people for combat for any contingency their nation sends them on is of the highest order. In fact, I believe it's the moral responsibility of any leader, regardless of service, of any commander, up through the rank of commander-in-chief, the president. 
I get a bit miffed when I hear about the amount of money that's spent on training, that our country spends more than the next 10 country, highest spending countries on the military in the world. Who cares? It's not to be equal. It's not to be fair. It's not to be the same as the guy next door. We spend that much amount of money on training because we win. We want to win. And if it costs more money to win, to be trained to a readiness condition that we need, then so be it. When you put America's sons and daughters into harm's way, there's no option but to be ready to be trained to execute your mission. Well, we want to thank the Admiral for being with us. Uh, is there any special thing we'd like to say uh, to thank her for all the work she's doing yeah, right now? Yeah, very much so. And, you know, let me just thank you real quick, Admiral, and not only, not only for what we've seen up there uh, as veterans, but what you do for, 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 for children, the youth, the scouts and, and other groups. Would you like to say a few things? Just, just one, one thing is that the uh, American sailor today is the best that the nation has, has ever had, and we as a as – a, as a, um, Americans should be very, very proud of every single one of, of those sailors. Here, here. Well, we are. We're very much proud. And uh, we, again, we appreciate you being on the show tonight and, and that you're our neighbor. Again, thank you very much. We also do some work together on the Armed Forces Council in Chicago and other organizations to help the sailor, to help the American citizens under, understand. So, again, thank you tonight. Yes, and uh, Black Hawk Down is. Uh, is next uh, next show it's next show and show. thank you all for listening in tonight we're getting the hits that it's all happening veteransradiohour.com thank you mcdonald's this show was inspired by the stories of three world war ii veterans my father ralph l hack from the cbi theater Robert Porky Sabarbro, 3rd Cavalry Division, Philip L. Leonard, 2nd Marine Division. These stories are things that we all need to remember as Americans. Hats off to you all. I'm Lance W. Hack. For the Veterans Radio Hour, good night and keep listening.